From the parable of the loaves and fish, Pastor Ray Bentley points out God can use the little we may think we have to offer. So what little bit you have that you are saying is worthless, it's insignificant, it doesn't meet the need, God doesn't care about that. That's worldly thinking, but now kingdom thinking. You take what little you have and you give it to Jesus. Ask Jesus to bless it. It's blessing God. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Small things matter. The Space Shuttle Challenger disaster in 1986, caused by a very small O-ring and a failure measured in the thousands of an inch. Small things matter. What small things can we make available to God so more people can come into a saving relationship with Him? Let's talk about that. All right, well, let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 14. We're going to cover a lot of verses, but make a few comments. The title of the message, Faith and Miracles, uh, beginning in verse 14. We have the, first of all, we got two stories. The story of Jesus uh, feeding uh, the 5,000 and multiplying fish and bread, and that miracle, and we'll talk about that and its application to you and I. But the first story is about... Uh, the tragedy of what happened to John the Baptist. We read in verse 14, Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. He's talking about Jesus. And he said, here's what King Herod said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. So Herod is, is worried. He's already killed John the Baptist. And, and now here comes this, this man doing miracles and signs and wonders. And apparently uh, Herod's conscience is bothering him. And now through Jesus, it just uh, bristles inside of him once again. So Mark is going to uh, share with us the backstory of what happened and why Herod had John the Baptist put to death. It said, others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. So there's confusion about the identity of Jesus. But in verse 16, but when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced, and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And so she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked saying, 
I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter. Is that gross? Let alone that it is a man of God, a prophet of God, and gave it to the girl, and the girl then gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb and gave him a proper burial. King Herod, this particular King Herod, this is not Herod the Great who helped rebuild the temple, but when he had died, uh, he, he passed on, his kingdom passed on uh, to three individuals, three partners, two of which were Herod Philip and the other Herod Antipas, which is the one who you know, watched over the territory of Galilee where Jesus was. And Herod Antipas, uh, had divorced his wife uh, that he might marry Herodias, the wife of his half-brother, Herod Philip. And this was something that John the Baptist spoke out against. That here was a man claiming to follow the laws of Moses and the commandments of God, and he said, you say you are the king and you are violating these laws of marriage, how dare you? And when Herod you know, heard this, he was troubled and, and he was disturbed, but he didn't do anything about it. And he was kind of afraid and he kind of respected John and then the people thought he was a prophet, but he didn't act on it. But Herodias, she determined, she went beyond the political and she personally burned in anger and wanted and plotted a way to get that voice of that man out of my ears and out of my head and embarrassing me publicly in front of the nation. And she knew her husband and knew how to get him and used her daughter to kill a prophet and a man of God. She said, honey, go out, perform a dance and entice. And so the daughter did exactly what her mother said, got exactly what she wanted up to half my kingdom. He basically says, I, whatever, this pleases me. And so she goes to her mom and mom sets it up and says, I want the head of John the Baptist. I think it's interesting to know, Herod, Herod did not have the courage to obey John's word when John was alive, but now, you know, he made this vow, I'll give you anything. And she goes, I want the head of John the Baptist. And he goes, oh, not that. I'm already, my conscience is killing me while he's alive. What now if I kill him? But because he gave his word, now he has to obey his own word. And the result is Herod killed a prophet. I believe that man did not have a moment's rest or peace, not only the rest of his earthly life, but his, the rest of eternity. And it's very, very sad. And I, and I put this here, if you're taking notes, here is what Jesus had to say to Herod, nothing. There was a time when later Jesus would come before Herod and, and Herod talked to Jesus, he threatened Jesus, he questioned Jesus and finally said, hey, could you like do a miracle? You did all these things, all these miracles. Could you do a miracle? Jesus didn't say anything. I think that is frightening that Jesus didn't open his mouth and say one word. Herod. That is really, really not good. And it's very, very sad because of Herod's heart had hardened. In a way, Herod was a man. And, you know, I say this uh, for those who are undecided, 
You're headed in one direction or another. You're either headed to the kingdom of God or you're literally headed toward hell. Everyone, nobody is static and just kind of, well, I'm just kind of hanging out here and we'll see how it goes. You are moving. The current is either moving one direction or another. And hopefully we're moving toward Jesus. Amen? After hearing of John's death, Jesus left uh, and wanted to be by himself. So another gospel tells us. But let's move on to the next story. A happier story. <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 30. It says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, uh, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So there's so many people following Jesus. It's kind of like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what would you call a seminar where nobody wanted to go home? I mean, how would you want to go home if you were with Jesus? And, and every time he opens his mouth, heaven comes out of his mouth. Every time he touches somebody, the kingdom of heaven is healing. Demons are flying out of people. I mean, it's like, I would love, if Jesus were here and you heard he was in La Jolla, how many would you leave work and just go hang out with Jesus? So they, they were with him, but they're, they're so enthralled with Jesus, they don't want to go home. They're not, and what it shows is they were physically getting hungry, but they weren't thinking about their hunger. They're just thinking about what's he going to say next? Honey, we should go home. I don't want to go home. He's going to tell another parable. Uh, some miracle is going to happen. I, mean, I don't want to leave. I'm staying here. So they stayed until late into the day and it's getting dark and finally, you know, the, the disciples, there's so many coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. Verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. I love that picture. Oh, you know, they get into a boat and they're taking off. So some of the people, they look and they cut the angle over the lake and they go, he's going over there. And so they run around and they're ready to meet him on the other side. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. So he starts teaching. The crowds gather once again. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. I like this. The disciples of Jesus see a problem. But what is a problem for them is not a problem for Jesus. When this practical problem confronts the disciples, their method of solving the problem was send the people away. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Problem comes, what do I do with the problem? Send the problem away. Usually, the problems that we have are associated with people. So if we can get rid of the people, then the problems will go away. But it was not a problem to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus allowed this to happen. He saw it developing. He let the pressure fall to the disciples because this was a teachable moment. And then he began to do something very beautiful and very extraordinary. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life. 
a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy? They start immediately getting their little, you know, abacuses out and adding up how much lunch is going to cost, how many people there are. And shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Like, come on, you're not serious, are you? We don't have that kind of money. We can't feed that many people. And I love what Jesus said, but he said unto them, how many loaves do you have? So they look around like, I don't know, nothing, I, you know, what, what? So they're scrounging around. He says, go and see. And when they found out, here's what they said. We have five loaves and we have two fish. Now we have a crowd here of 5,000 men. It's not, they don't count or include the number, the women and the children. So let's say 15 to 20,000 people. How many loaves of bread do they have? How many fish? So you can imagine them gathering. Okay, big deal, we got five loaves. How many fish? I got one, I got one. Okay, go show that to Jesus. There, that's what we have. But they had no idea. They were, they were literally feeding right out of his hand. It says in verse 39, then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. The way that the, the wording here is that they reclined it really is the way, not of slaves, but of those who are free men and women. I want you to recline, lay down, relax, Jesus said. And so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. Now this is an interesting little contrast. I was always taught, you know, she would pray over your meal. And I don't know if you, I learned it in Sunday school or my parents, but they always said, bow your head and close your eyes. <laughs> and then bless the food, right? But now, what does Jesus do? He opens his eyes and he looks up. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men, 15 to 20,000 people probably that ate on that day. Here are some lessons that we can learn. And this is probably some very practical lessons. That's what this is about. It's a practical lesson. And surely uh, there are times in our life when we have less than we practically need. Have you ever been there before? I wonder if I speak to anybody that's there tonight. I have this much. I need this much. But you know, the Lord is here. He is a God of miracles and he wants to provide supernaturally even for especially those who are his children and again, for those who are his disciples. So number one, here, here's a very simple, practical little list that you can go, go through. Number one, start 
by giving Jesus what you already have. Usually we say, we don't offer to the Lord what we have. Why? Because in our estimation, what I have is worthless. It's so small, it's inconceivable. It, it has no consequence. There's nothing to it. Five loaves, two fish. The need is like this. I don't even bring it. So, okay, you want to follow what Jesus says. He says, bring me what you have. So, you know, you say, all I have is two nickels to rub together. Bring your two nickels. I don't have two nickels to rub together. Okay, bring your hands. I don't know, whatever you have. Start by giving. So what little bit you have that you are saying is nothing, it is worthless, it's insignificant, it doesn't meet the need. God doesn't care about that. We're, th that's worldly thinking, carnal thinking, fleshly thinking. And, you know, that doesn't bring you anywhere. But now kingdom thinking, you take what little you have and you give it to Jesus. That's very simple to do, yes? Should we start there? Number two, ask Jesus to bless it. You know, while those two nickels were in your pockets, they just stayed two nickels. So now take those two nickels out of your pocket, you give it to Jesus and say, would you please bless what little bit I have? Does that seem like a fair thing to do? Simple thing to do? Lord, you bless it. Jesus then takes, so ask for his blessing. Jesus takes these two loaves, and these, there are five loaves, two fish, and he lifts the, his eyes to heaven, and he prays. Now there is a, interesting, there's a, there's a prayer that's been passed on, a tradition that goes back hundreds of centuries, uh, hundreds of years, thousands of years, and Jewish people pray it to this day. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And, and by the way, if you notice the prayer, the prayer is not really to bless the food per se, which is usually what we do. Lord, please bless this double cheese bacon burger and make it so good and healthy for me to eat now. <laughs> God knows that's gonna kill you anyway. I mean, just, it's a burger, man, dude. But the point is, it's not so much blessing the food, it's blessing God. Father, I bless you. Yes, thank you for this food. You wanna thank him for the food, but I'm acknowledging that the food is from you. And in a very public way, Jesus took what little bit the disciples had and he brought it before his father and he asked for the father's blessing. Jesus is our intercessor. He still is interceding. He was interceding on behalf of the disciples and on behalf of the hungry people who were there. He is seated at the right hand of the father now when you call upon him to bless your life, and you give thanks for him and you acknowledge him, immediately Jesus turns to the ear of the Father and speaks directly to him. Do you think that the Father listens to Jesus? Absolutely. That's why we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So we're blessing God, and we're asking him to bless what God has given to us. Thirdly, and this is very important, allow Jesus to break it. When Jesus got his hands on those loaves of bread, he gave thanks to the Father, and then he broke them. So there is a breaking process that will take place in our lives. <laughs> when we give what little bit we have, we're going to be broken. But notice this, listen very carefully, the only place you wanna be broken is when you're in the hands of Jesus. Because he is the most gentle, tender, loving, compassionate savior in the world. He breaks us. I, now, this is also interesting to me. Notice what Jesus did not do. 
Not only for modern times, but ancient times. He did not take the loaf of bread, ask somebody for a nice knife, sharpen it, and cut it. But there was a tradition. Now, this doesn't mean that in you know, the Jewish lives and meals and so forth, that at times they did not use knives, but this was not customary for such times as this. And especially in this kind of fellowship and communion, uh, they did not cut bread. They talked about the breaking of bread. And the only way to break bread is to break it with your hands. It's personal. It's gentle. And, you know, somebody breaking it and handing it to you is an offer of friendship and fellowship. And that's what Jesus was doing. There's also a symbolic meaning behind this. In not using the knives as maybe others would, uh, the Jewish people said that in a way it was symbolic that one day there will no longer be nation lifting up sword against nation. Isaiah 2, 4, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Jesus is showing that the love uh, and even love of your enemies takes the sword out of their hand and brings fellowship and love and peace. Thus, the biblical phrase is described of breaking bread with one another. Breaking bread. Let us break bread. It means it's personal. We're thanking God. We love one another. We have fellowship with one another. And then fourthly and lastly, and we'll close with this. Finally, Jesus multiplies it in his hands, but then he passes it through the hands of the disciples, our hands. In other words, usually we look at, oh, okay, so all the multiplication just was in Jesus' hands and then to the people. Well, Jesus could have, yeah, he breaks it and breaks it and breaks it and breaks it and he feeds thousands, hundreds of people. That's not what happened. The miracle began in Jesus' hands. The miracle of multiplication continued in the disciples' hands and was received by the people. In other words, as the perfect teacher, mentor, and rabbi, Jesus made the disciples part of the miracle process. You and I get to be part of the miracle of provision, not just for ourselves. And that's what this is ultimately all about. If it's just us... No, now we become a vessel through which God wants to bring a blessing to many, many others and to love our neighbor. And he said, but you shall not be distinguished only by loving your neighbor, but this shall be the sign that you are my disciples, the love that you have one for one another. And I say unto you, you shall love your enemies. So how many times over three and a half years did Jesus break bread with... Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, knowing all the while what he would do, and yet Jesus still offered him and sought and tried. The rejection was on the other side, but, it, but it, it's still there and it's still offered. In other words, you can't determine whether someone will break bread with you, but you can break bread with them. Whether they are willing to receive it, they, they have to be able and willing to receive it. Does that make sense? But Jesus wants fellowship with all of us. Good insight from our studies in Mark chapter 6 today. You're on Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, today's study is titled Faith and Miracles. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.